0: we ran it on qi a few years ago yeah um which was there's no such thing as a fish no such thing as a fish no seriously it's in the oxford dictionary of underwater life it says it right there first paragraph no such thing as a fish Hello,
1: and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with three other elves, James Harkin, Alex Bell, and Anna Chizinski. And once again, we've gathered around the microphone with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And here we go. In no particular order, here they are. Okay, fact number one, Alex.
2: Okay, when he was bored... Calvin Coolidge used to ring a bell to summon his bodyguards and then hide from them under the Oval Office desk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yep, just as a joke. Uh, But, I mean, presumably after the first time you've done that... Or, or did they have to be like parents to a four-year-old yeah. child? Yeah. Oh, Behind where could be? Oh, no! <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I wouldn't have much trust
2: in them if they were continually fooled by it like, every time. They'd that would be, be the worst. You You'd fire yeah. your secret service <laughs> yeah. straight away. You'd be like, seriously,
1: this is the second time. You're done. Yeah.
2: Well, actually, speaking of firing people and uh, hiding, I, I found a completely a sort of slightly related fact as well, a secondary fact. Herbert Hoover um, had a really strict privacy policy to the point where whenever he or his wife uh, were on the approach, the White House staff uh, would signal to each other using the bell system in the white house and then hide in a cupboards or behind bushes or something like that because he uh, he hated seeing his staff and uh, really liked his privacy um and they risked being fired if they were seen so anytime he uh, came into a room they would sort of have to scramble around and try and hide somewhere they got so used to doing this that when harry truman uh, took over the presidency moved into the white he house he was like yes, where so- are
3: all my stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hoover. herbert hoover invented hoover ball didn't he which what? is... what's that? <laughs> is according it as to...
1: soon as he gets the ball, all the other players hide in cupboards, and he just gets to walk right
2: to the goal
3: line? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he then uh, hides
1: under a desk. Yeah. Until finds him. That's Coolidge ball.
3: Um, no, it was actually invented by his doctor to keep him fit, and it's a cross between, according to the government website, tennis, volleyball, and medicine ball. Which do you guys know what that is? No. I think... Medicine ball. Yeah. It's a t- it's a big ball that you use for exercise. Yeah. That big yeah. heavy thing. So it's basically like volleyball w- with an unbelievably heavy ball about the weight of a newborn baby, and you h- throw over the net um,
0: Calvin ball. Coolidge liked to eat breakfast in bed while having his head rubbed with Vaseline uh,
3: mm. was he bald because that is a recipe <laughs> for greasy hair if that's, not. Yeah, that's really you know
0: the guy who invented Vaseline he was uh, I've forgotten his name cheeseburger or something like that mm-hmm. um, he thought that Vaseline was like a big sort of cure-all and he used to eat it every single day and he would, used to rub it on his body all the time because he thought it would cure him of all wow. illness and did it uh, well, he's dead. Okay. So it, it didn't make him live forever.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't an elixir. I can understand why he does that. Uh, I once went on a date and I, I I couldn't find any hair gel. Um. And my hair was really all over the shop. And if I, this
3: is a something about Mary's story, <laughs> can I stop you there?
1: I put I put tiger balm in oh, my yeah? hair, oh, and yeah. my god, that was the most intense sensation I've ever had. It was like putting chilies all over my head. It was just like on fire. Oh really? And my head stunk like hell. (laughs) I got got on the train and everyone was like, what is that smell? Was that a
0: successful date?
1: It was, because in the end, I had to admit it. I was like, by the way, the reason my head smells like this
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> because I did
1: tiger barb over and she, and she said oh, I really like the smell
3: it is quite a nice smell and if you have a cold it's quite so maybe if she was a bit blocked exactly. up you would have really helped her exactly. out
1: exactly my sinuses were <laughs> incredible yeah. that. my point is though is that maybe the Vaseline on his head while he's eating kind of gives a slight kind of like putting Tabasco on your food maybe
0: that's how he managed to get Mrs. Coolidge she was like oh I really yeah, like well, the smell mm, of Vaseline yeah <laughs> have you thought of tiger barb there is a thing called the Coolidge effect do you know that no, no. the idea is that male animals prefer to have sex with with females they've never seen before than females that they have seen before and it's called the coolidge effect and it's named after calvin coolidge why Mm -hmm. um it's a story about um him and his wife um who were being shown around the farm and they got to a chicken yard and um mrs coolidge noticed that the uh, male chicken was having sex a lot and she said to the guy you know does he do that a lot and he said oh yeah he has sex about 12 times a day And she goes, well, you should tell that to my husband. (laughs) So then the guy went to Calvin Coolidge and he said, this chicken has sex 12 times a day um, and your wife told me to tell you about it. And he said, oh, is it the same chicken every time that he has sex with? And this guy said, no, it's a different chicken every time. He said, well, tell that to my wife then. Chicken (laughs) farmer named it then. Uh, it was named after that anecdote, which I guess probably didn't even happen. <laughs> yeah.
3: But just to make this clear, that is a really cruel thing he said. So he did basically say the only reason he wants to keep having sex is because it's not with my wife every time. He's saying he? if I was to have sex twelve times a day, it wouldn't be with you. Yeah.
0: To be fair, is a pretty nice. snaky move on her part. It's that was true. quite yeah. a good. No comeback. one comes across well in that anecdote at all, yeah. apart from the chicken. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 Do you know? I only found this out the other day. A weird number of presidents have won Grammy awards for what? spoken word albums. Really? So but- I, I stumbled upon this because Hillary Clinton did a spoken word album, which was uh, uh, some kind of you know, telling us how we should live better album in the nineties. Obama's won two Grammys. Oh, for dreams. spoken
1: words yes. for his autobiographies. Oh, his the oh yeah. they are well-spoken.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, Clinton's guessing. got one. Both the Clintons have got one. Jimmy Carter, Kennedy. To be a president, Clinton. you have to
0: be well-spoken, though, don't you? You have to be good at doing speeches. So, it's yeah, not that surprising. It, make, it makes total sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: I wonder who didn't get one.
3: Well, George Bush certainly didn't. Did he
1: not? Yet.
3: Maybe. So, um, is the is Grammy about?
1: night just full of presidents <laughs> <laughs> just waiting? And the best spoken word. we got Clinton, Obama. I think the presidents
3: are the only ones who were asked to make um, audio tapes. It would be like, and the winner is Calvin
0: Coolidge. Has anyone seen Calvin Coolidge? <laughs> 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 um, I want to talk about Hide and Seek because we were talking about um, oh, yes. yeah. Coolidge playing Hide and Seek. Um, So you know how um, refrigerators have got this magnetic seal that keeps them closed? Yeah. Uh, That's because of hide-and-seek. In 1958, the decade up to 1958, um, a load of kids had been killed playing hide-and-seek and and hidden inside refrigerators. And so the new law was brought in saying that they had to be capable of being opened with a 15-pound push from inside. And as soon as that law came in, they had to come up with a way of making sure they stayed closed – um, but we're able to be open from the inside, and that's the magnetic thing. Should a thing kid came in.
1: push? Because previous to that, would it lock and then? It, so it well, latch, they used to have latches. it would have latches, so the kid would be stuck inside. Yeah. Okay.
3: That's interesting uh, because I only found out recently that in Back to the Future, the time machine was originally supposed to be a fridge, was it? and the reason it was changed was because of a fear that kids would start trying to imitate them and locking themselves in fridges. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Should we wrap up on this one? I, it feels like, uh, no. Go, go, for um, it. I was just looking at um, things, well, hobbies of presidents, which are quite good, and oh, related yeah. to hide-and-seek. So Woodrow Wilson made his Secret Service staff paint his golf balls black in uh, winter, didn't yeah. he? So that he could still see them in the snow. But... In more humorous news, one of Einstein's favourite hobbies was sailing and he loved to sail even though he couldn't swim and refused to wear a life jacket and at one point in his life he had to be pulled from the water by a teenager who heard him crying out for help and pulled Einstein out of the water and the teenager just disappeared so no one knows who that teenager was Ah. but Einstein's life saved by, by a teenager Uh, But bizarrely, this year, there's a fish called Einstein in Blackpool, and it got a bladder infection, which meant that it stopped being able to swim and just sank to the bottom. And so the guy in Blackpool has designed a tiny fish life jacket, which the fish now uses to swim in. So, unlike Einstein, this poor Einstein fish has been forced into a life jacket and given the chance to swim again. (laughs) I just think that's a really weird mirroring of the real Einstein's life. (laughs) Okay,
1: time for fact number two, and that's my facts. My fact this week is that until 2011, the sun was only, in theory, a sphere, but it's now confirmed to be a sphere. Oh yeah,
0: how have you confirmed that?
1: NASA confirmed it. Oh, did they?
0: Yes. How did they do that?
1: So NASA, uh, and this was a headline that appeared on NASA's official website uh, on February the 6th, 2011. It said, it's official, the sun is a sphere. And the idea was that NASA had two twin stereo probes, they were called stereo, and they went to either side of the sun and took the first 3D photo. Basically, they got to the dark side of the sun, as it were. They got to the side that we never see.
0: Yeah, it's not... Dark as such,
1: though. Be- no, but just in terms of uh, uh, badly chosen words, it's, uh, it's the dark <laughs> that side. That would have be been amazing
0: the if they got to the other side and it turned out to be dark. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that would be amazing. Or flat or hologram, something awesome. But anyway, I just find that amazing. I find that we've gone all this time and just assuming that scientists agree that it's a sphere. Yeah. and it's probably a bit tongue in cheek, but I just like—I just like that—that that is how far scientists do actually go. Might not be, might not be. That's what they say. Yeah, That's might not cool, be. Then. Yeah, it is cool.
2: amazingly spherical. The sun.
3: Yeah, they don't understand why this is the case. It was discovered only in 2012. It's the most perfect sphere in nature by quite a long way, and I think it's the second most perfect sphere in the universe that we know of. And um, what's if- the first? The first are the silicon balls that have been used as a replacement for the kilogram. So one incredible thing is that if you scale the sun to the size of a beach ball, it's bulge the biggest dip in it would be less than the width of a human hair. But even so, the biggest dip on the sun, so it's... The biggest difference between its smallest diameter and its biggest is 10 kilometers. And uh, if my math is right, if you blew up this perfect sphere that we've created to the size of the sun, then the biggest dip in it would be about 120 centimeters.
0: I know you always wanted to have um, a Guinness Book of Record record, Dan. Yes. Uh, One that you can't have is the um, record for longest time spent staring at the sun because the Guinness Book of Records specifically refuses to accept entries for that one. Ah. Why? Because um, it's too dangerous? Because it's too dangerous. Uh, Isaac Newton used to like do experiments where he would look at the sun for a l- as long as possible, uh, and he did it one time for so long that he had to s- shut himself up in a darkened room and wait for his sight to return, and it took three days for his sight to return. Not Three so smart, days. these scientists, yeah. not so smart when in one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine when there was an eclipse, um, a lot of people were looking at the sun then, and um, when people obviously damaged their eyesight and they went to hospital afterwards, the doctors could tell exactly when they looked at the sun by looking at the impression on their retinas. So if it was, like, a halfway through the eclipse, it would have the half sickle of the, wow. of the sun. Wow. That's, that's so pretty, cool. That's yeah. extraordinary. Although I don't know
3: how anyone's eyes got damaged then because I remember it, and it was so cloudy. <laughs> so
0: um, the original fact that we had here was how we didn't know for sure that the um, sun was a sphere, yep. um, but people were pretty certain about it. So Galileo, for instance, he could see the um, sunspots going round the back and coming back again, and so he postulated that it must be a sphere, and there are lots of other reasons why... We were pretty certain it was a sphere. Mm. But not 100%.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I read a headline which you guys are gonna hate
0: but (laughs) so the people listening to this podcast they must hear dan about to say something and then us all groaning and wonder why we do it and it's you know what it's the look on his face as soon as he's about to say something ridiculous he has this look as if to say i'm a naughty boy you guys are all gonna shout at me anyway go on okay so
1: the world almost ended in 2012 but we survived we survived by a week This is what happened. The sun had a ginormous solar flare in 2012, around July. And it shot out into one particular bit of space. We were a week away from the end of the path of where it went out to. And scientists have said that if we were in the path, if we were a week ahead in time, or if it happened a week later and we were in that path... The, the size of the solar flare would have knocked us basically back to the Dark Ages. It was literally, we were that close to destruction.
3: What, well, and if we'd just been a bit further ahead in our rotation around the sun? Yes,
1: we would have been in its path. So it's just, we just happened to not be in its path. Wow. I am slightly terrified of the sun, because there is this massive risk of coronal mass ejections
2: just wiping out all technology on the planet, which is <laughs> just horrible, I did. Um, there was a massive solar storm in uh, 1859, which uh, is, is the, the storm that has had the biggest effect uh, on Earth, on Earth. Uh, since records began on this um and the the biggest um piece of in- technological infrastructure that existed at that point was the telegraph network and um they it basically uh, all across europe and us it basically shut down everyone unplugged their machines um, but there were sparks flying off all the pylons and even if you turned off uh, the transmitters they were still sending and receiving messages and uh, Aurora, uh were seen uh, all over the world and um in places like the Rocky Mountains it was so bright that the gold miners actually got up and started making breakfast because they thought it was daytime wow wow really (laughs) yeah Um, Lloyds of London the insurance people um, in 2013 they did a study uh, using the data from uh, uh, from 1859 to work out how much it would cost if that kind of thing happened today and they estimated that in the US it could cost up to three trillion dollars worth of damage even if it was just that strong
0: so it could go so much worse than that very scary yeah you know um, you were just saying about these guys who woke up in the middle of the night because they saw the corona. Earlier this week, there was an earthquake in California. It was in the um, Napa Valley where they make wine. uh, And enough people around there have these, um, you know, these uh, exercise bands that are attached to the internet, and it can tell how many many steps you've done every day and how your heart rate's doing and such like that. And they could work out who had woken up at the same time as this earthquake went off. And they found out that more than half of the people who woke up during the earthquake stayed up for the rest of the night, even though it went off at 3 Uh a.m.
3: Oh, really? Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's
0: Just a a way that you can take information that was for another thing and then work out how humans react to something.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned California oh, yeah. and the sun. So, relatedly, there's a big solar plant in California, and when birds fly over the top of it, often they catch fire because the sun's Whoa. rays are being so concentrated. So, then they've called them streamers, the guys who work there, and these birds fly through and cat ignite, stop, spontaneously combust <laughs> mid-flight. Wow. And set on fire. It's really sad. Yeah, it's birds, very sad. But... <laughs> they must
1: freak out mid-flight. Like, yeah. that's never happened before. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Whoa. You're on fire! Oh,
2: I thank
1: you. No, no, you're no, no. on fire! <laughs> you're literally. <laughs> wow. Okay, time for fact number three, and that is Chazensky.
3: Yeah, my fact is that there are some bird's nests that contain over a hundred rooms and are so heavy that they cause trees to fall down. What? Yeah, so these are really cool. This is my new favorite creature, I think, the sociable weaver bird, which you find in uh, Southern Africa, in South Africa, Botswana, places like that. And they are really sociable. So they they build these gigantic nests where up to 400 birds will live in one nest and they have loads and loads of different chambers. And they're incredibly efficient for a bunch of different reasons, but they do weigh an enormous amount and so trees
1: will
0: collapse
3: yeah trees a tree recently collapsed under their weight so they can weigh almost a thousand kilograms which i think is about as much as 12 adult men so if you stick 12 adult men in a tree it's likely sometimes the branch is going to break and it did the desert where most of these birds live is obviously very hot in the daytime and gets very cold at night. And it's insulated so that if you go right into the middle of this nest where they all roost together, then it's much warmer at night, like more than ten degrees warmer than it is in the daytime. And then in the daytime, if you hang out in the outside chambers, it's more than ten degrees cooler than it is in the daytime because it's so well shaded.
2: Wow! Do they have different rooms for different things, or do they all yeah, have their own rooms and stuff? They
3: all the pairs have their own rooms, so each room will be a, p- a pair and sometimes their offspring. And then in the center will be where they all sleep together. it's like a hotel it really is it's incredible (laughs) it is like
0: wow a huge and it's not just that is it that other birds um live in there as well yes i saw a list of some of the other birds who live there Um, they include the familiar chat (laughs) the ashy tit and the rosy-faced lovebird
3: oh but yeah they do they let other birds live in them which i think is also great of these guys when they've got a spare room going they say to their mates hey you couldn't be asked to build a nest don't worry. So they're
1: like a hostel. It's, yeah. like,
0: it's like Airbnb. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> badgers do that as well, don't they? Do they? Yeah, because badgers have sort of like, a very similar to a rabbit hole, but because rabbits only let rabbits in, but badgers are like, if they see a rabbit, they'll be like, come on in, mate. Sure. Really? Yeah, yeah, and they let them live with them. Yeah.
2: Are you sure this isn't... Oh. Um, Watership down, or <laughs> it
1: might, it might be wind in the willows. Wind they wind willows. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Badger, they all wear tweed, right?
3: Um, prairie dogs, we've done on QI as well, quite oh, extensively, yeah. and they're quite similar to these birds. And I also like them for it, aren't they? Because they they have enormous burrows, prairie towns, I think they're called. So uh, they're smaller than they used to be because they're now more in danger. But in 1900, a prairie town was found that took up 25,000 square miles and housed 400 million prairie dogs. But they're... what? How many? 400 million. 400 million
0: <laughs> are you hearing the number that's like the population of america isn't it yeah so you've more got
3: prairie dogs in america than that's
0: amazing in one house
3: no, <laughs> it's in it's in a book called prairie conservation preserving north america's most why do like, they need to why? conserve <laughs> these <laughs> yeah. There's 400 million
0: I in every single house they're doing good
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, but they let other animals live in their homes as well so you get burrowing owls how snakes. is there any room yeah <laughs>
0: Come on out, squeeze in. Let's go back to nests.
3: Yeah, Yeah, tell us about nests.
2: You were talking about the temperature of the nest, how it fluctuates. Yes. Uh, I found something great thing about temperature and nests. Uh, The sex of an alligator and some other reptiles, like lizards and turtles, is determined by how warm the nest is that they're laid in. So for alligators, if um, the egg is kept in a nest at 30 degrees, it turns out female. And if it's 34 degrees, it turns out male.
3: Really?
0: Yeah. So in 2009, some researchers um, found a geofalcon nest uh, in the Arctic, and um, they did some radiocarbon dating on it and they found that it had been in use for 2,500 years. (gasps) So people had been living there since the Roman era. Or birds had been living there, I should say.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Birds just outside going, get out of my house. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah,
0: Dan, you've been away at the Edinburgh Festival. Yes. While you are away, Greg Jenner came in, who was in one of our earlier podcasts. He's a historian from Horrible Histories. And we were talking about... um, a human nest. It was like um, a mattress inside a cave somewhere in Africa. So this mattress was in use for seventy-seven thousand years. Wow, seventy-seven thousand wow. years. Imagine how long that is. Like two thousand years was like when Jesus was when around. Jesus was around. Seventy-seven thousand years. Is it they still were using in use? This mattress? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, we
1: should keep the tradition going. That's
0: true, actually. Yeah. Why do we stop? they used moss and they would put it in this corner of a cave and then they'd use it for a while for a while for a while and then they would burn it and put more moss on top and then they would burn it and put more moss on top and this moss was particularly good because it would stop insects from being able to live there so it was a really good place to sleep but
1: also um, so you're saying it's the exact same bed effectively yeah because just they just kept use. adding
0: different
3: bits of the mattress
1: onto yeah 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 wow
3: and they almost never changed the bedding we did ask them about it It was only about every 2,000 years or something that they bothered even changing. Them off.
1: Just, uh, just, just on the subject of mattresses, I was reminded um, there's a trap door at the bottom of the Blue Whale in the Natural History Museum in London. Um, when they opened it up, um, they discovered a mattress in there. Um, and it was basically a time capsule inside the Blue Whale because it was when they were building it, it's where all the, um, the workmen would sneak in. So they found a bunch of magazines and newspapers and, and empty uh, wrappers, but also a mattress uh, because apparently horny curators, that used to be a top location. Oh um, I can't
3: believe they went to that sort of trouble. Think
1: about it. If you're If you're someone who works at the Natural History Museum, you're already quite a big dork. And so the idea of sex inside a Blue Whale... Yes, please. Did I mean, even that,
0: I um, think that that's the best possible location. Yeah, but you mattress. I don't know why they need really? the trapdoor, because a blue whale's vagina is large enough to walk through. Such a good point. Maybe it's a male blue whale. Yeah. Oh, that's probably it.
3: I was just going to talk really quickly about the weaver birds, just because they often now build their nests on telegraph poles and pylons, so you'd recognise their nests. And anyway, this often causes power outages. So I was looking up animals that cause power outages, and squirrels are always cutting off electricity. So there are some electricity companies that say that... Two thirds of their electricity outages just come from squirrels chewing through wire or like linking up circuits by jumping from one bit to another. And they've shut down the NASDAQ twice. I think an estimated $20 million worth of shares were not traded Ah, in that time. (laughs) 20 million? Okay, guys, numbers can be big.
0: Let's get over it.
1: Time for the final fact of the show.
0: James. Okay, my fact is the worst baseball team in South Korea has replaced its supporters with robots. Um, So these guys are called the Hanwha Eagles. Um, They've lost more than 400 games in the last five years. Uh, They came bottom of the league in the last two years and their opposition have started calling them the Hanwha chickens because they don't put up any kind of fight what they do is they have these screens around the pitch and you can using your computer or your phone you can put your photo on the screens and you can make the screens do Mexican waves or do cheers or chants or whatever I just think that's quite a that oh, is thank
3: cool God, that's so sad isn't it though I mean so the players is it- and is the idea that the players are supposed to feel rejuvenated at the sight of automated things which are being forced mechanically to cheer them on
0: yeah I think when it's you solving... it like
1: that
3: yeah, I think it's a bit demoralizing it's solving
1: the wrong problem <laughs> like it's the problem is the bad team not that the fans are booing because they suck so much it's like do you know what we gotta solve about this our fans they're yeah. the problem let's <laughs> invest all our money in yeah. futuristic in robot, fans futuristic robot getting getting a better coach <laughs> to cheer <laughs> as we lose again and again and again
0: okay so here's another way of using your fans maybe a slightly better way you guys don't like the robot thing you I like the that's... robot
1: thing I just think it's not solving an issue okay
0: well um, the Washington Bullets had this um, super fan called Robin Ficker and um, what they would do with him is they'd let him sit behind the opposing um, coach's bench um, and they would give him a megaphone and he would make fun of the opposing team by shouting at them. Hmm. Um, so he would uh, make fun of the coach's outfits, or when the Chicago Bulls came to play, he read the sex passages of the Bulls coach's autobiography. That's <laughs> <at> him, <laughs> during the game. Wow.
2: was distracting.
0: I was looking up uh,
2: robots and death and um, I found out that Jeremy Clarkson was nearly killed by a robot on Robot Wars. Oh. Apparently, one of the robots was was fighting another robot, and a circular blade came loose and zoomed across the studio. And they had it on film, and they played it back in slow motion. And it went across his head, two inches above his scalp. Whoa! He, wow. so, yeah.
1: We actually know who the first person to be killed by a robot, war. and his name
0: was Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams. Yeah. <laughs> How was he killed by a robot? It was um, in a. He was in a in a. Calf factory or something like that, and he was in a Ford Ford factory, and he was hit by a protruding arm, and And he was was killed by that. So it was like because it
1: was an arm, kind of was a robot.
0: Yeah, well, well. it was
2: it was a big mechanical uh, device. It was for moving car parts from one end of the factory to the other. And it just he got hit on the head really hard for it. The second guy who got killed by a robot definitely got killed by a robot. His name was uh, Kenji Irada and in, in, that was two years later. And he got pushed into a grinding machine by a robot arm. Ooh, yeah.
3: Like, was it a malicious with malicious <laughs> yeah, okay. intent? So
2: there's never been a malicious death. There is an innate f- human fear of robots. The first use of the word robot was uh, in a play by Czech playwright Carol Kapek called Rossum's Universal Robots, and it was about robots trying to take over and kill people.
0: Nine percent of Americans, when surveyed, admit that they will have sex with a robot or would have sex with a robot.
1: (laughs) There was that book called Sex and Robots which um, it's a guy who's a huge computer scientist and chess champion saying that he thinks we'll have sex with robots within 50 years. He's one
0: of the 9%. Yeah, definitely.
3: They did have the first kissing robots in 2008 they were made in Taiwan and they performed as the stars in Phantom of the Opera they did an all-robots cast of Phantom <laughs> of the Opera and these two robots kiss and it's the worst kiss you've ever seen their heads come together and then they pause for 10 seconds and their heads pull apart it's like a 12-year-old's disco empathetic robots are a thing that are just being experimented with and they've sort of they are claiming they've invented where robot, they their robots that respond to your own facial expressions with matching facial expressions and they're preparing why are you smiling really creepily okay i'm gonna stop looking at you so they've come up with empathetic robots now whose faces stop it everybody they've come up with empathetic robots whose faces mirror facial expressions that humans have in the hope that they can care for lonely humans in future but again a bit like the fake cheering crowds in korea it seems like a sad thing if you need a robot to fake empathetic facial expressions in order to feel okay
1: our buddy Levin skyra uh, who was on this podcast a few episodes ago, uh, just actually took part in the opposite version of what we're talking about, which was the World Robot Football Cup. Oh, yeah. And he went out to uh, Brazil, I think. It was yeah, in Brazil. Yeah, it was in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it was robots playing against each other at football. And Levin was saying that they've projected that within 50 years... A robot football team will be able to beat a oh. human football team, and within
0: two months they'll be able to beat Man United. <laughs> Did you see? So have you seen this, Dan? No, You've I been heard. away, so we're f- recording this on Wednesday. But on Tuesday, Man United played against MK Dons, who are uh, lower in the third tier of English football, and they lost four nil. Whoa! And there was a great thing on Twitter. Um, there was a girl who'd. Um, got a free bet from an online betting site and she put £2.50 on Man United to win 4-0 but had accidentally put £2.50 on MK Dons to win 4-0 at 500-1. to Wow! I know, and she was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I've won (laughs) over a thousand pounds. That's great. Anyway,
3: let's talk about, oh, would you like to talk about? I was going to talk about sports fans since we're on sports now. Um, So I was uh, looking up generally sports fans. One of the amusing things I like that's happened in the past is that during baseball matches until about a hundred years ago, because the stadia was smaller, if you hit the ball out of the stadium, it would fall into the long grass and the game had to stop for five minutes and everyone, the fans, and the players had to spend five minutes searching for the ball because they wouldn't have lots of spare balls. I think now in baseball, balls just get lost, and that's it. They have they bring spares. People take them, don't they? Yeah. Well, you
1: get to, if it comes out and you catch it, it's your ball. Yeah, yeah. that's how yeah. it works.
0: Another thing about old baseball games where um, they didn't have as many umpires in those days, and some of the umpires were allowed to, if they c- weren't quite sure about a decision, they were allowed to consult the audience consult the crowd.
3: <laughs> like he wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, exactly.
0: And see what the crowd thought and then
3: use their ideas if they couldn't really work it 72% out. 72% of oh. the audience thinks that that was a home run.
1: God, it must have sucked when you were playing away games.
3: Yeah. If he yeah. blatantly
1: made it and you just missed it. Did he like, make it? No.
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. So I think the angriest any sports fans have ever been, and James will know about this, must be during the Heidi game. Is that um. the Calvin Courage game? <laughs> <laughs> Heidi go Seeky. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I know about the Heidi game. It's so good. And it is frequently voted the most exciting game of American football of all time. It was Oakland Raiders versus New York Jets. And it was really close. The New York Jets were just ahead of the Oakland Raiders, but it was obviously a really thrilling match. It had about three minutes left. And suddenly at the very last minute, the Oakland Raiders overtook the New York Jets and they won and it was a massive title and it was a massive deal. And NBC, the network that was broadcasting it, as it had overrun by a couple of minutes past its three hours, switched over automatically to show Heidi for all the kids (laughs) on the other channel. Now, they didn't want to do this. The NBC executives saw that it was a really thrilling match and were like, we've got to obviously keep this on the airwaves. So they tried to call the studio to say, obviously, keep the match on, guys. Look at this. This It's the biggest match ever. But so many people, so many angry fans were trying to call the studio to say, I can't believe you're going to switch over to Heidi. It's outrageous. I want to watch the rest of the match that their phone lines broke down and the executives couldn't get through to the studio to say, keep it on. So, in the great irony of fan complaints, they caused Heidi to overtake the match wow. by calling, breaking the phone lines. And Heidi came on. And then NBC managed to irritate people further, I think, by during this episode of Heidi, there was a really touching scene where Heidi's disabled sister, I think, learns to walk. And they thought, <laughs> what can we do to remedy this? So they flashed up the score suddenly for all the fans in the <laughs> middle of Heidi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so just
3: all these little kids suddenly a, like, tearing
0: up at this scene NBC, wow. it
2: sounds like an episode of 30 Rock.
0: um my favorite baseball player just before we finish mm-hmm. uh is joe sprints okay and he'd um one of his rivals another baseball catcher had caught a ball that had been dropped from the top of a building and he got a world record for the highest catch from a high point So he decided that he wanted to beat this um, record, and so he got a friend to go up into a blimp, and someone was going to drop the ball from the top of this hot air balloon, and he was going to catch it. Oh my god! Okay? Um, He caught it in the way that baseball players do, with his mitt directly above his face. The ball hit his mitt, the mitt hit his face, and he fractured his jaw and lost five teeth. And apparently he dropped the ball.
3: Oh, and Lose someone up. alongside him just went stop hitting yourself. <laughs> Why are you hitting yourself
1: okay that's it for this episode that's all our facts thanks so much for listening if you want to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said during the course of this episode you can get us on our twitter handles james you're on at eggshapes Alex At Alex Bell Underschool I'm on At Schreiberland And Chazinski
3: You can email Podcast At QI.com
1: Still not on Since I've been away
3: Still hasn't happened
1: Okay And you can head over to No Such Thing As A Fish.com Which houses all of our Previous episodes And we're going to be back again Next week With another episode For more facts So stay tuned And we'll see you then Goodbye <laughs>